What's up, everybody? How we doing? You're listening to Power 5 Sports Podcast. Alongside the one and only Alex Maxwell, I'm Jake Gorowitz. It's Sunday, December 9th, and we're here to bring you episode 62 of Power 5. We're fresh off the Heisman Trophy presentation, so you already know we'll fill you in on Kyler Murray, Tua Tagovailoa, and Dwayne Haskins. But how about the release of the college football playoff? As of December 2nd, the suspense, the anticipation, the wait have all come to an end. We have Alabama, we have Clemson, Notre Dame, and we have Oklahoma to round out the top four. Did the committee do a good job? Is your team in? Who's the biggest snub? Who poses the biggest threat to the Crimson Tide? Should the playoffs be expanded? So many questions to answer, but you know what? We've got you covered. Yeah, that was a really intriguing playoff process. Honestly, I can see where people are coming from when you say 16-team playoff. I think that might happen one day, or 18 playoff. I don't know. But getting back to Kyler Murray and winning the Heisman, Jake, I, got, I know you got a little note about Heisman people. What do you got? Yeah, speaking of Heisman Trophy winners, I just have to talk about a special honor that I had a couple of months ago. I had the opportunity to interview Pete Dawkins, who won the Heisman Trophy 60 years ago. He graduated from Cranbrook, my high school, in 1955, and when he came back to campus this past fall, I had the chance to talk to him about his time at Cranbrook, but also his time playing football and serving at West Point. Easily the most accomplished man I will ever meet. Listen to this. In his senior year in the Army, Pete Dawkins was the brigade commander, president of his class, and graduated in the top 5% of his class. And those honors were in addition to being the captain of the football team and assistant captain of the hockey team. Oh yeah, not to mention winning the Heisman Trophy. Unbelievable experience for me. Had to tell you about it. But how about Kyler Murray? (laughs) I mean... Two Heisman Trophy winners right there. Exactly. Kyler Murray's season was just incredible. I mean, you just look at his stats, and they were just... They were lights out. He had over 4,000 yards passing, over 40 touchdowns passing, 11 touchdowns running, and over 70% completion rate. That is just unfair. That is literally like Madden, Road to Glory, NCAA football type numbers. Tua Tagovailoa and Dwayne Haskins also had outstanding numbers as well. It seemed like if it was any other year, they would have had the Heisman in the bag, but it just happened to be that Kyler Murray was playing football the same season that they were playing football, and it's kind of unfair that they had to run up against that guy. Kyler Murray is easily the most dynamic player in the nation. He's doing things in college football that nobody has ever done before, and, I mean, Oklahoma as a team, he's really put them on his back. He's carried them in those big moments, and he's the reason we see them in the playoffs. Yeah, along with his skill position players and his O-line. But I'm really interested to see how Kyler Murray can handle Alabama's defense. As Alabama's defense, their one Achilles heel seems to be mobile quarterbacks that can hit you with an outstanding NFL-type arm, and you can run a little bit. And obviously, not every quarterback in the world is going to have both of those attributes. But it happens to be that Kyler Murray is one of them. You know, you look at guys like Deshaun Watson kind of have both attributes so I really want to see how Kyler Murray can handle 
Alabama's defense, and if they can handle him at all. Kyler Murray is such a threat to any defense, and I'm, just like you are, so excited to see how he matches up against the Crimson Tide's defense because that defense is just stacked with studs. But Kyler Murray, you never know what he's going to do. He can hit you with... Running like 40 yards. Exactly. Or he can hit you with a... A 60-yard bomb down the field. Right. So he's really dynamic in pretty much every sense of the game. And I really like his... I just really like watching him. It's like a privilege to watch him. And to think that base or football might not even be his best sport is just... It's just hard to wrap your mind around because baseball is what he's going to sign for, for the A's. He's, he got drafted like eighth overall to play for the A's. And to think that football isn't even like his number one is just... Huh. The MLB is probably the hardest sport to make it pro. Would you agree? It's definitely... The, the amount of hurdles that you have to go yeah. over, triple A, double A, single A, so, yeah. just to get to the big leagues. And then to face guys that throw 97. Well, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But... That's another show for another time. Obviously, that's a great point you just made. But we can't leave out the other two. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa and Dwayne Haskins. Both of them had phenomenal seasons like we just mentioned. Uh, Dwayne Haskins had, what, over 4,500 yards passing. 47 touchdowns? Oh, my gosh. That is ridiculous. And Tua Tagovailoa had about 3,300 yards passing. And 37 yard and 37 touchdown passes. But remember when Tua Tagovailoa didn't throw a pick until like week eight or week nine against LSU? Think about that. He went. He was perfect for nine weeks straight, eight weeks straight against really good defenses in the SEC. So both guys were just. I think they they're they're getting overshadowed by Kyler Murray's season. You can't forget about him. Not to mention Tua Tagovailoa built up leads for his team that allowed him to sit through the whole fourth quarter That's right. for more than half of the season. Mm-hmm. How many other players in college football can we say that about? Also, Probably nobody. Right. Also, you got to keep this in mind as well. Oklahoma and Ohio State don't run the ball as much as Alabama does. They don't face as good defense as Alabama does. They didn't play as much, or Tua Tagovailoa didn't play as much, like you said, as Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray did. And that definitely took a toll on his stats. I completely agree. Do you think if we saw more minutes from Tua, he could have been hoisting the Heisman Trophy last night? I think that's definitely um, definitely part of it. I think schedule, you know, playing in the SEC is a lot harder than it is playing in the Big 12. And finally, I think the schemes that they have, Alabama runs the ball a lot. Ohio State and Oklahoma don't. They have yeah. no run game. For Tua, it was game flow. Um, I think that contributed to him being a runner-up. But also his performance against Georgia, that just that, wasn't where it needed to be to win the Heisman Trophy. I think that's where he really let it slip away. Obviously, he's been battling the knee, the ankle injuries. But when you go... Uh, Two interceptions to just one touchdown in the SEC championship. I think that definitely played a role. That doesn't help at all. And I think we got to talk about this matchup here between two Heisman finalists, Kyler Murray and Tua Tagovailoa, and both their teams 
Number one, Alabama playing number four, Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. This is going to be in Miami. And look, I got to say, Oklahoma's defense has not been good at all this year. And if they, they were doing pretty good last week against Texas. They limited them to a certain amount of yards. And I was, imp- I was impressed with Oklahoma's defense. But that game against West Virginia was one of the most pathetic defensive performances on both teams. And I thought that was really embarrassing. I think that really hinders. At, one, at that point, I thought Oklahoma had no chance at getting in the playoff. And, you know, their defense has stepped it up, but they're facing a much better offense with Tua Tagovailoa running the show. But Alabama's offense. Jake, you want to get into that? Alabama's offense. I mean, if you're Nick Saban, you have quite the quarterback controversy. I mean... Yes, if Tua can stay healthy, can rehab. Well, if he can rehab from this ankle issue that he's got going on, obviously you have to give him every chance to really hop immediately back into the starting position. But let's be real. The way that Jalen Hurts entered that game, took command of the Mm. offense, and led that team to victory... You don't see that. That was vintage Jalen Hurts, by the way. Also, I think well, I'm going to add on to your point a little bit. Something that you don't really see a lot, Alabama's quarterbacks are like the best players on their team. Usually it's the defense that everybody's talking about. You know, they always have the great defensive linemen, which they do have, Quinn and Williams. Watch out for that name. They always have the linebackers, Mac Wilson. They always have the defensive backs, they always have, you know, the big boys that just lock everybody down. But their offense is just so elite and so good. They're just so good. They put up so many points, and they they shut people down on defense, and they just light it up on offense. I think lighting it up is the best way to describe Alabama as they take vertical shots left and right. They ground and pound with Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris as well. But, yeah, I think – Harry Ruggs, uh, Jerry Judy, those boys are nasty. I think Alabama has a lot, a lot of weapons on offense, and I think they're going to expose Oklahoma. They're not even going to expose. They're just going to, they're going to hurt Oklahoma's defense. Already hurt defense. They're going to make them worse. I have a couple X factors on the offensive side of things for Alabama. First, the tight end Irv Smith Jr. He's made a couple clutch catches over the course of this season. Because obviously, you know Jerry Judy, you know Jalen Waddle, you know Henry Ruggs III. Obviously, big weapons that Tua Tagovailoa has at his disposal. But how about Irv Smith Jr.? He'll be a great NFL tight end one day. He's, I mean, he's he's almost like a wide receiver in a tight end's body. Yeah. I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, if Alabama can utilize him effectively... He can really expose Oklahoma's defense. And also, the offensive line of Alabama, they have two all-SEC first-team selections with their tackle, Jonah Williams, and their center, Ross. I can't even pronounce his last name. (laughs) It's an absolute mouthful. But those guys, I mean, if you can hold down the fort up front, play the game in the trenches the right way, and take care of business... Uh, in that aspect of the game, 
things are looking good for Alabama 100%, offensively. 100%. You know, like we said with that defense, I kind of name-dropped some guys, but it all comes up from the pressure up front. And Oklahoma's offensive line has been quite good. They give Kyler Murray boatloads of time. But I think the X factors for Oklahoma, yes, it's the offensive line. you got to protect Kyler Murray. But it's Kyler Murray, and he's got some of the best wide receivers in the country. In my opinion, I think he's got the best two wide receivers in the country, C.D. Lamb and Hollywood Marquise Brown. I think both of them are tremendous. I think they're NFL-ready talents. And I think those guys could cause Alabama fits, but it just depends on whether Alabama, you know, if Kyler Murray has enough time to throw the ball. Bottom line. Oklahoma is first in the nation for total offense, right? Yeah. They average 8.75 yards per play. That's incredible. Oh, my God. Okay? They are so explosive. Kyler Murray is electric. 81 offensive touchdowns this year for the Sooners. No other team can is it, is it match in, in that. In the realm of that, yeah. Is even in the vicinity of those numbers. Mm-hmm. No matter who you're up against, no matter which defense you're playing, if you have the ability to put up those numbers and have that big play ability on offense, you can you can run with anybody. They're legit to say the least. But it's is it enough that like their offense is so good? Flip the other side of the ball though, their defense is just not up to par. Well, and that's what scares me along with everybody else in the whole country. You have a top four team in the country in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and you you have the number one offense in the nation, and then you look at their defense. It's bottom. It's a completely it's bottom. different story. The 108th oh. total defense in the nation, you're allowing 441 yards per game. That's close to 150 more than Alabama's defense gives up. Oh, my god! That could be the difference. I mean, and to think about it, Alabama's offense is just so, like, knockout. They're just, like, knockout ready. You know, they just kind of go at you. They attack you, and they don't play any games. Right from the get-go, they'll go 50 yards on you with uh, Harry Ruggs. So, ah, they're just so good. I think Alabama's offense is – I don't think this will be a shootout because I think – well, I think the final score will be – but I don't think it'll be a close shootout, if you know what I mean. It won't be like a, who's got, you know, it'll, it won't be like the West Virginia-Oklahoma game where it was like score, 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 no defense whatsoever. I think it'll be like Alabama will just score every possession, and then Oklahoma will just have to scramble to find life. I think that'll be it. And I think Alabama will come victorious. But, you know, we've seen it. Ohio State dominated Michigan when Michigan was supposed to be a clear favorite. It's kind of similar here, you know. Ohio State's offense was spectacular. Their defense wasn't good. Michigan's offense was pretty good. Their defense was number one. And it's it's, poss- it's definitely possible because Kyler Murray can do anything. And you've seen it time and time again. Alabama's had fits with mobile quarterbacks. But I don't know. I think Oklahoma's defense is just, they're weak. They're so weak that they it's can't the, support it's their It's the offense. secondary. The mm-hmm. secondary, they're small and I think Alabama's receiving core going to torch them. They might be in for a long day against Jerry Judy 
Henry Ruggs, the those boys. types of guys. Yeah, the Sooners could be. It, it could be a long night. What, what's for your them. prediction? What are you What are you rolling with? Dude, you just put me on the spot like that. I I had to. I'm sorry. Prediction. No, I'm, I'm not going score. Give me a winner. Score. Okay, Alabama will win, mm-hmm. but I think that Oklahoma will make this a ball game. If they can do this, stop on defense and an immediate score on offense. Stop and a score, stop and a score. If you can get a couple of those, you're right in this game if you're Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if Kyler Murray propels the Sooners to a close victory. I'm going to take Alabama because how can you not, right? Right. They're the, the Crimson Tide. Yeah. They're led by Nick Saban. They do it year and year over again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the Crimson Tide. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't be shocked if Kyler Murray balls out and puts on a show for the fans. I like that. I like that. I'm going to roll with this. I'm going to say it'll be a great game for three quarters. I'm going to say Kyler Murray is outstanding. He's going to be making plays that, like, oh, yeah, that guy definitely should have won the Heisman. He's going to be running up and down the field. He's going to be eluding guys left and right. But I think Kyler Murray is going to throw a pick or you a know, costly mistake do too much yes and i think alabama's gonna do they're gonna capitalize off that and then that's gonna be all she wrote and i think alabama's just gonna pound it from there and i think it'll be it'll be a i think it'll be a, like a high scoring big difference you know like a 50 to like 35 type game but well, looks like you're taking the over yeah i'm gonna say I'm going to say Alabama is going to win in a high-scoring game, but it will be closer than the score implies. This might be... This will definitely be a game in which the first team to make a mistake Mm -hmm. will lose. Could be. I I think that's a really good philosophy. Because we've said it in many different scenarios, whether it's NFL, NBA... College football, there's so little room for air. Especially at this point. Oh my in a gosh. game like this. Well, and I can also see it going against Alabama. Mm-hmm. We, You talked about Mac Wilson. He is going to have to play at his best to stop Oklahoma's offense. Right. You guys, you can't forget about the, the threats. He's the signal caller of Alabama's defense. He's going to have to shadow Kyler Murray. He, you're going to have to watch what he's capable of doing on his feet, but then you're also responsible for letting everybody else know back deep in the secondary because Kyler Murray can toss a long ball and there you go. That's a touchdown. You also got to contain him with his legs. That is another thing that takes a lot of scheming and a lot of preparation. So they got a lot on their plate. Let's see if Alabama can handle it. It'll be interesting. Attention to detail. That'll win this game. Bottom Let's line. move on. Notre Dame versus Clemson. What a, what a matchup here. Notre Dame, you see it on Instagram. You see it on Twitter. Most overrated team in college football. That's in quotes. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I see it. I don't know how you can call them that. I mean, they played who, they, who was on their schedule. And they beat everybody on their schedule. They were 12 and 0. They beat, you know, credit hats off to Notre Dame. They beat everybody. They had to go on the road. 
I don't know though. I don't know if they. I can see them beating Clemson, because Clemson is just so ready. They have this. If there's a team that is designed, engineered to beat Alabama, it's Clemson. Man, I gotta tell you, year after year they're filthy. Great recruiting. They pretty much. They pretty much set their standards to beat Alabama. That's like their thing now, because their schedule is really not that hard. And I don't know. I I think I think this is. This matchup is not in Notre Dame's favor, in my opinion. Hot take to start things off. Notre Dame, they might be the worst team in this group of four. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, they are. Call, call it a hot take. I think call, it, call it mild if you want. Doesn't matter. I think the Fighting Irish, if we're talking about the four best teams, I think it's Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Georgia. Ohio State, Notre Dame. <laughs> I think Notre Dame, I mean, yes, they are. But I, here's, my, here's my argument for Notre Dame. I'm fighting for Notre Dame, no pun intended. Um, I'm fighting for Notre Dame on this one. I can't believe I'm doing this. Notre Dame has beaten everybody on their schedule, correct? Yes. They have beaten guys. They ske- Okay, their schedule on paper looked really good. They played teams like Stanford, Virginia Tech, uh, Northwestern, Syracuse, Michigan. Those teams all have pretty good resumes, and they're pretty good, right? So, I mean, yeah, they beat all those teams, and a few of them were on the road. So that's really important, and I think good for them. They did it. They beat them. Good for them. I think they are deserving. But look, you gotta, those wins against Stanford and Virginia Tech, those blowout wins, those don't look Anything. Like resume builders right, at right, this point right, right. in the season. I think that there's no way you could have excluded Notre Dame no. from the college football playoff. I think that would have just been um, ridiculous. Right. Because Notre Dame, they're kind of like... You know who they remind me of? Florida State for me a few years ago when Jameis Winston uh, was in his second year and they were also undefeated. But then they just got smacked by Oregon. It's like the exact same situation. They're both undefeated, but you could tell just by watching them, the eye test, they did not pass the eye test. I can roll with that. I, I agree with that comparison. But what I was going to say is Notre Dame kind of reminds me of like America's team in college football. Kinda They're like one of Dallas those teams. Cowboys? Ex- yeah, exactly. They're one of those teams in college football that everybody across the country knows you either like them or you don't, but they're one of those teams that they're going to get you ratings on TV. Yeah. They're going to get the word out. Mm-hmm. They're going to get everybody fired up for the semifinals. That's fair. I think that is a major reason why they're in this. Obviously, their body of work, their resume, the season-long, you know, everything that they've put in to... The, their strength of schedule, the competition that they face. It's not their fault that teams like exactly. Stanford yep, yep. and Virginia Tech it looks good haven't panned out. In August, exactly. that, looked, that looked like that would have been, oh, they looked like it would have been loaded. Because there was one, two, three, four teams on that. Four of the five teams that they beat were ranked going into that game. So, and Northwestern was quite good this year. So, those are five decent games. They don't have a conference championship. Not that that really. No, I think no, I think that is crucial in this conversation. The fact that Notre Dame does not have a conference championship, the amount of weight 
That, oh yeah. That the yep. committee places with a conference championship that is absolutely pivotal, mm-hmm. and that's that could be the reason that we see an expansion of the playoff mm-hmm. in the near future. Because, well, what type of statement would it have been if the committee put Georgia in a two-loss non-conference championship, non-conference champion? You put Georgia like that, and it was the same scenario a couple or last year with Ohio State. Right. It's those one or two blowout losses that hold you back. 100%. I can't disagree with you on any of that. And I think Notre Dame, you know, I think they're a really solid team. Don't get me wrong. But if you just really want to put the four best teams, forget the resume, forget conference championships. You want to put the four best teams. You got to put Alabama, you got to put Clemson, you got to put Georgia, and then I think it's either Oklahoma or Ohio State for that fourth spot. I don't know. Obviously, going into the selection committee's release of the playoff, we knew Alabama, we knew Clemson, we knew Notre Dame would be there. But what we didn't know is that fourth spot. We had Ohio State, we had Oklahoma, and Georgia. Mm-hmm. All in contention for this last spot. We saw what they did on that Saturday when they all played in the conference championships. Yeah. The selection committee concluded that no team was unequivocally better than the other, and that's why we see Oklahoma, the one-loss conference champion, who avenged their one loss in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's that's just how they decided to roll out with it. But do you want to go back to the matchup real quick? Yeah, let's focus up. Okay. Here we go. Dial in, boys. In the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, the house that Jerry built, we're going to have Clemson play Notre Dame. Clemson, like I said earlier, in my opinion, I think they're bound to beat Alabama. They're the one team that Alabama has has some fits with in the past. It's never been a blowout between the two. Well, last year, I'm going to take it back. Seth, let me me roll it back a little bit. Last year wasn't a very close game, but the, the trifecta, of national champ or the I'm sorry, the back-to-back national championships with Sean Watson and those guys those were classics, and I think this year Trevor Lawrence is young, but my gosh he is so good he has he throws it so hard it's like a baseball it looks like he's like a shortstop he throws like a seed perfect spiral, 25 yards 30 yards on the dime oh my gosh that dude is you can already tell he's gonna be in the NFL. Questionable lettuce. It's kind of interesting. Not, not the biggest fan of his lettuce, but hey, I'm not. I'm not here to hate on him. I think he's a really good quarterback, and he's a true freshman. Keep that in mind. And he is going against Notre Dame, and then I, I think Clemson will move on, in kind of a, an easy win. But let's see how he does in this stage. Kelly Bryant's gone, so. You know, there's a. There's Where's a, he going, Mizzou? I think he, yeah, Mizzou, Missouri. He he committed to Missouri or he signed with Missouri not that long ago. Good for him. Yeah, good good spot. Made the right decision yeah. for his career. But Trevor Lawrence, I think Trevor Lawrence could be an Achilles heel to Alabama. Could do you think? Because he's got he's got an NFL arm right now, and he's starting to figure out how to use it more and more. But maybe inexperience, maybe is his Achilles heel in this situation. Notre Dame's defense, they're pretty good. They're athletic, they're long, 
they're very they, they pressure you. And I know Clemson's got a great offensive line, but it's, it's every scheme is different. Will Notre Dame try to mix things up here and there? We'll see. I don't know. I think Clemson's got it under control. You know, I don't really see that Notre Dame has. I'm just looking at like key things for Notre Dame. I don't really see anything that Notre Dame can clearly do to just hinder Alabama or Clemson's ability. There's no aspect of the game that Notre Dame has a leg up in. That's yeah. That's exactly what I'm okay. saying. Okay, this is Dabo Sweeney's fourth consecutive trip oh. to the college football playoff experience for Clemson. Okay, they are destined for this moment. There's one reason why their whole defensive line returned for another year. To be look Alabama. at their whole defense is NFL ready. Right. They now. could be in literally the league right now. This is an NFL caliber defense, folks. You have Colleen Farrell, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence, the big boys on the D-line. You look at Dexter Williams for Notre Dame. Yes, he's a key player for Notre Dame's offensive attack, but there's no way he's going to get by mm. mm-hmm. those those guys for Clemson. There's no way. I think Ian Book also is just he doesn't have the skill set in my opinion to just light up Clemson's really good secondary. So I think every aspect of the game, I think Clemson's just got the higher end right there. I think you literally look at the rushing Travis Etienne versus Dexter Lawrence. A couple weeks ago, he was a Heisman hopeful. He was. He was. I think he's still... Like, I heard talk about him, like, two days ago, but he didn't get the invite to NYC. But you, I take Travis Etienne. You look at the wide receivers. T. Higgins. He's, a, he's the best guy on the field. You know, you look at the quarterback. Ian Book. Trevor Lawrence. I'll take Trevor Lawrence, even though he's a freshman. To offensive line. I'll take Clemson. What were you going to say? Standout player for Clemson's defense. All of the hype and attention goes to the D-line, but how about the junior linebacker, Trey Lamar? Ooh. Okay, Clemson's worst defensive performance came against South Carolina, and guess who wasn't on the field? Trey Lamar. Lamar. Okay, Ian Book's short passing game will be contained because of Trey Lamar. Mm. Bottom line, okay, you're going to hear his name a lot on December 29th at, I believe, 4 (laughs) o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Keep an eye out for him. How about Notre Dame's defense? We began to touch on them a little bit. They're secondary. You have Julian Love and safety Olohe Gilman. Mm. Nailed that pronunciation, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I think Notre Dame... You gotta give them credit. I think they're very, like we said earlier, they're very athletic. They're very talented. Brian Kelly is a good coach, like him or not. Not the biggest fan of him myself, but he's a good coach. I respect that. On the field, he knows what he's doing. He'll get his guys ready to run through a wall. They've been in big situations before. Keep that in mind. Yes, they did get smacked by Alabama in the national championship, but hey, Brian Kelly might bounce back. He's looking to bounce back for that for sure, and. You know, you're never out of the fight. If at this point these guys are ready, these guys are they they know they're at this level and they know, you know, talent the talent here is just so high that one mistake like we were talking about earlier with Alabama and Oklahoma could screw things up. Maybe Notre Dame comes out firing and Trevor Lawrence gets nervous and throws a few picks. That's 100% possible. 
just like I mentioned a couple minutes ago, yes, Clemson's defensive line, they all returned to school for this opportunity. But let's take a look at Notre Dame. They don't have a conference championship to play for, right? Their eyes have always been set on the playoff. Mm -hmm. You have the front seven, the defensive lineman, Jerry Tillery, and the linebacker, Drew Tranquil. They're a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. Let me tell you, Trevor Lawrence might crumble to their pressure. They, he could. And I think because of the, the Notre Dame's going to try to make him as uncomfortable as possible. That is what they're trying to do right now. But Trevor Lawrence seems to eat that up. Jake, I'm going to move on to predictions here. What are you thinking? Clemson will win. They will win by, it could be anywhere from 10, 14 to 28. Mm. I, I like that. I think that's very realistic, and I think that's a fair prediction. What I'm thinking, this is my, this is my realistic cap, thinking cap coming on here. I'm thinking Clemson wins 42 to 13 type feel. Oh my lord. And I think this is going to be I think this is going to be a little of a beatdown. I think Clemson is just so good and I think they're so ready to just enough they're just sick and tired of hearing about Alabama and how great they are. I think that is really bugging Dabo Sweeney and I think they are so ready and so talented. Their recruiting class evolves around beating Alabama pretty much. So do you think they're going to lose to Notre Dame, who is a blue blood, to say the least? But I think Clemson's just so ready, and I think they're so perfect right now. They're molding at the – they're coming together at the right time. I think Clemson's going to beat them up. Trevor Lawrence hasn't thrown an interception in the past three games. The momentum is building Mm. for Trevor Lawrence and the whole Clemson roster. Yeah, so it you, might be a beatdown. I, I think it definitely has the possibility. I think they could run wild. But going back to the playoff, who was the biggest snub total? Who was who is the team that got left out? Was it Georgia? Was it Ohio State? Who was it? I think the obvious answer is Georgia. Mm-hmm. I think they're undoubtedly the biggest snub per se. But at the end of the day, it's impossible to ignore their 20-point loss to LSU earlier in the season. Can't forget about that. For 55 minutes of the SEC championship, there was no way in the world you couldn't count Georgia as a top-four team in the nation. Yeah. I I saw a stat the other day, and Bulldog fans, you might want to cover your ears. Between both meetings, Alabama and Georgia the last two years, one in the national championship— and the other in the SEC championship, Alabama was leading in both games for a total between both games of nine plays. Nine total plays they were leading in both games. Georgia had them right where they wanted them. Why did they go for it on like fourth and 12 in the middle of their own field? They, they decided to fake it? I don't understand Kirby Smart's thinking here. You could have flipped the field on them. But instead, you give Alabama midfield possession with plenty of time. I don't understand that. I think they tried to do too much, and I think that that definitely had a part of costing them the game. Another issue for Georgia in that game, 
when Tua went down with the injury, you bring in Jalen Hurts. They didn't capitalize off that, in my opinion. They didn't capitalize because they never scouted Jalen Hurts. Didn't, didn't look like it. Be- clearly, because Jalen Hurts... He didn't I mean, play. Took, he didn't play. Took him down the field and marched right on top of him. But when you spend all this time and energy preparing for a Heisman candidate like Tua... And you don't get him. And then he exits the game. That's a curveball that nobody in the country is prepared for. And that might have been the X factor. I think that's an excellent point that you just brought up there. Yeah, your biggest snub was Georgia. And I can't believe I'm saying this as a Michigan guy. But my biggest snub might have been Ohio State. You look at the body of work that they put in. They went 12-1. and Obviously, their season did not look very good at all. The Purdue loss was embarrassing. Their defense was horrendous. They almost lost to Mar- They should have lost to Maryland if that guy could throw a three-yard, two-point conversion pass. Yes, Ohio State looked really bad at times. But you look at the dominant performance that they had over Michigan. You just gotta look yourself. You just gotta look at the game, and it was that was so dominant and. Brilliant, I have to say. They got out. Michigan got out coached, out class. Ohio State's scheming was unbelievable. I think Ohio State is clicking at the right time. Look at what they did in the Big Ten Championship. Oh, yeah, they won their conference championship, which actually means something. Notre Dame, uh, you guys didn't have one. Georgia, they lost by 20 to LSU. That doesn't look good. Georgia blew it against Alabama. I think they got too carried away with it. I don't know. Georgia, I think two losses is worse than one. <laughs> like, everyone would believe that. But Ohio State is clicking at the right time, in my opinion. Dwayne Haskins has been lighting it up the whole season. Ohio State, their schemes were phenomenal the last two games. And you got to look. Look at the last two games compared to the other teams. I think you got to look at that body of work. And they went 12-1. and Pretty good. Ohio State was my biggest snub. The place where I disagree and draw the line is when you say that Ohio State is clicking at the right time. Mm. The selection committee, this is a season-long body of work. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking at a two-week span here. But are I'm you looking, looking at, at the, the whole team? season. Are you trying to find the best teams or the best resumes here? Well, for the college football playoff, uh, the selection committee, they're looking at resumes. And it starts with conference championship. Yes, Ohio State has that. But they dismantled the best defense in the country. They made them look like they haven't, they didn't know how to play football. It was it was incredible. I understand where you're coming from, but I gotta say Ohio State. It was incredible. Think about think about how bad they were playing, and they still lost one game all year, man. I, I think that's just that's another thing. They had a lot of talent, but they had no idea what to do with it, and with all the off the field controversy, that probably played a factor into it, and. I think Ohio State. I just think that Ohio State kind of got the short end of the stick on this one. I'm not complaining. <laughs> it's the 49-20 loss to Purdue. That's that what got them. Really, that was atrocious. That and they had that no was run. Ugly. Game. They had they have no run game, and they still don't. No run game. The red zone efficiency hasn't been there in many situations. Um, back to my point. I think that Georgia is the biggest snub. You think it's Ohio State. A little debate never hurts. Mm -hmm. The fans love it. Gets them fired up. (laughs) Should the playoff be expanded? 
Oof, I think that's probably one of the toughest questions to throw surrounding this conversation. You know, I do. I really do think it should be, and I think there's so many reasons backing this up. One, the college football playoff committee cares about the green dough, money. That's just more endorsements, more advertising, more TV views, and just more eyeballs that they need to. That's what they need. I think, yes, from a financial perspective, yes. But from a college football perspective, you get more eyes. You get more. I think eight team is perfect. You get the top eight. There's upsets. There's going to be good games. More teams. I bet you'll see national champions that weren't even, like, like what, fifth, sixth. You could see a team that wouldn't get in with a four winning at all. Well, and that's... No snubs. Exactly. You couldn't have said it better. That's where teams that are clicking at the right time come into play. Yep. Okay. How about UCF? Winners of 25 games in a row. Okay, finally, they get a chance just to prove their case. Win or lose, you have an opportunity to win a big-time game. And then, okay, Oklahoma had an opportunity to avenge their one loss to Texas. They did. Luckily for them because of the Big 12 championship. But how about other interconference matchups that you wouldn't see otherwise? I would like to see a a rematch of Georgia versus Alabama. And that's everybody wants to see that. That's another reason that Georgia might be the biggest snub out of all of the teams they left were, out. They were so close, but yet they so were far. And Nick Saban said it himself after the championship, Georgia is the one team that they do not want to face. <laughs> and the committee really why. did them a favor. Yeah, I can see why. So, yeah, I think there's, there's, no, there's not as many snubs to any at all. And it just brings more ins- excitement and I think more possibilities for sure. More t- Like Ohio State... Keep this in mind. The first year of the playoff, Ohio State was the fourth team, and there was some bickering and moaning that Ohio State shouldn't have been in it. But guess what they did? They won. And if it was up to the BCS, think about it from this way. One versus two. Three and four aren't even a thought, right? But the four beat the one, and they won the national championship. So think about it from an eight-team perspective. That could happen. Think about all the teams in the past that didn't get a chance. Look at the future. You could get more teams that have chances now. I think it's just a, a more – everyone has a chance, and there's a lot more teams. There's a lot more the, – there's more than four great teams in college football. Two points to make. We don't leave out any conference championships with an expanded playoff. Right. And Rob Mullins, the chairman of the committee, he's also the athletic director at Oregon, he always talks about the debate of – Best versus deserving. Mm. The most deserving teams. That would be put to rest. Exactly. With an expansion. You get the best teams and you get the most deserving. You put all of the greatest talent in college football on the field. On the field in one discussion and you let them play. It seems like, Jake, you're, you're on the, correct me if I'm wrong, you're on the most deserving kind of side of it. I'm on the best team kind of side of it. Is that correct, or am I am I putting words in your mouth? Actually, I think I might be the opposite. 
whether we're looking at the best teams or the most deserving, I mean, my comments earlier about Notre Dame, I think that mm. they speak to this point. Fair enough. Fair I enough. think Notre Dame, if we're looking at the best teams, Notre Dame should be out. But they are one of the more deserving teams. So if I had it my way, I would have Notre Dame out, and I would have Oklahoma up one, Georgia in at four. So I would say that I'm probably in the best teams. Yeah. But it it's a constant debate until we get an expansion. I think that's, yeah. Couldn't have said it any better. I know you guys most likely would want an eight-team. I think most people would like an eight-team playoff. I think 16 is a little a little too much, and I think that might be getting a little crazy. But eight-team seems very reasonable. Even 12. 12. 12. 12 might be that fine line. It might be just the right amount of balance between yeah, a very be. large playoff and then like a 16-team. Because then you get... You know, the Penn State, Iowa State, kind of just middle of the pack right. teams. They win a couple big games here and there, but you go down to 12. The 6-7s then... would be interesting, like that kind of match. Oh, my gosh, that would be Can amazing. you imagine? That would be really fun The excitement that that brings to the game. So, yeah, there's a lot of – definitely a lot of opportunities in the future. And let me just say, I don't think it will be four teams for much longer. I think at one point they will definitely make an expansion – to eight as they should and i know you guys would too let us know on instagram and twitter by the way if it should be four or eight give us your feedback on that just a little quick little plug in there i think at the end of the day it comes down to the protocol that the selection committee follows i think it's their list of criteria and if they really want to avoid all of these debates then they'll expand the playoff yeah you can't have a debate with, it's harder to have a debate with eight than four, you know. I think the more, the merrier. That's a good saying to have, and it applies in this situation. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Thank you guys for listening so much to our college football playoff podcast. We really appreciate it. Make sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter. We got new podcasts coming all the time. We'll keep you updated on those social media apps. SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, you know where to find us. Thank you guys for listening. Once again, from Jake and I, happy holidays. Peace.